Welcome to episode 67 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer director J.J. Abrams, as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host, my name is Marcelo Inestroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Matt Crandall, and on today's edition of the show, we'll be discussing Lost, Season 6, Episode 1, LAX. Matt, I have something to tell you. You can let go now. We made it. We did make it. As we left our Losties in Season 5, the episode ended with Juliet smashing the bomb repeatedly and that flashed to white. The whole thing that we were trying to do was reset the timeline so that Jack and company never came to the island. And this episode opens. We are on Oceanic 815. It is in the air. Turbulence strikes. We see Jack. We see Rose. Very familiar staging from what we know of the plane crash. But in this instance, the turbulence passes. Turbulence passes. Everything is fine. Pilot Seth Norris, voiced by Greg Grunberg, comes over the intercom and says, a little bit of turbulence, but nothing to worry about, folks. We're all good. And I'm thinking, holy shit, did this work? Did, did they reset the timeline? And if they did, what does this mean for the show? And then the camera moves out of the plane. Out of the plane, and I'm like, what? Starts plummeting through the clouds into the water, and it goes down into the ocean. And then we see a familiar toe statue submerged in the water, implying that the reason that they did not crash land on the island in this timeline is that the island has sunk. It is not an island anymore. It's on the ocean floor. So this really threw everything into upheaval. And then what makes it more confusing is the next scene cuts to the wreckage of after the bomb. Our people are still on the island, and they don't know if what they have done they think it didn't work, but we have had this weird, what will become to be known as flash sideways scene where we do see what happened if it worked. And then we go back to our current timeline. Marcella, what were you thinking as they are literally resetting the show, but then also picking up exactly where we left off on the island? Were you as confused as I was when this started? Yes and no, because during this rewatch, I have learned to sort of go with the flow. But still, with that being said, I, I I took a minute and I was like, okay, where are we? When are we? And what timeline are we in? But the thing that I particularly liked most about this episode is that I love episodes that are bottle episodes, where you have a select group of characters in one location. And for the most part, at least by my estimation, this episode played like that. And I love the fact that we saw moments of the pilot episode of Lost remixed from a stewardess on the plane asking Jack if he wanted another drink, from Rose looking over towards Jack for some assurance uh, as they went through the turbulence, and from having Kate on the plane with the marshal. But I really enjoyed the fact that this flash sideways really played like a purgatory sort of thing. I know that's a dirty word, 
when you think about Lost, but it really played like purgatory to me. Happy, happy, happy purgatory. The most interesting thing was every character that Jack was interacting with seemed to be at ease and seemed to be at peace. But Jack kept asking people, one person in particular, do I know you? Like, have we met somewhere? And that one person in particular was Desmond Hume. I really liked that cork in this episode. Yeah, that was amazing. And, you know, it does make us wonder what is going on because we know Desmond was not on the original flight. Now, that was because he was on the island. So if the island doesn't exist, then it is possible he did get on this plane. And then you wonder, well, is Jack remembering him from the Tour de Stade moment where they were running the steps in the stadium? Or did that even happen? Because if Desmond is on this plane, then did he go on this race around the world? Or did that not happen? And Jack is actually recalling him from the events on the island. So there is that weird, like, we aren't sure if this is an alternate timeline or some sort of weird reincarnated timeline. But I do love that we hit those familiar beats, but then Bernard comes back to his seat. Then we do see that Kate is on the plane. And as we see everybody else on the plane, this was just the the joyous and fun part of the episode where we bring back Art who blew up back in season one and he's on the plane. We bring back Boone. He's on the plane. Charlie is on the plane. So we get to see like a lot of our favorite people who have been out of the show. My favorite moment on the plane, though, is where Hurley gets recognized as being the owner of Mr. Cluck. Arts wants him to do this thing from an ad. And Sawyer's like, hey, man, you shouldn't tell people you won the lottery. Somebody's going to try and take advantage of you. And Hurley says, nah, dude, that can't happen to me. I'm the luckiest man alive. Like, I'm so happy that in whatever this is, giving Hugo good luck instead of being cursed with bad luck put such a big smile on my face and made me think, like, I don't even care what they're doing here. This is just so much fun to see this kind of weird what if and to revisit characters that we haven't seen in a while, but also see the ones that we have seen in different circumstances. To not be tortured by their baggage that we've witnessed for five seasons so giving everybody like a clean slate and even just changing something like hurley being cursed with bad luck to being the luckiest guy in the world is so interesting and and a fun dynamic that every time we jumped to a flash sideways in this episode i loved all of those scenes even when people as minor as like frogert (laughs) is is on the plane i just love that attention to detail that we brought back so many people and familiar faces the big thing in the finale that you mentioned was that heart-wrenching juliet death and a death so nice they did it twice (laughs) because this episode the on island stuff juliet did not die in the the explosion but she does die shortly after they realize she's still alive in the rubble but she gets a proper goodbye scene and a big send-off because this aired so far away from the finale doesn't feel like a cheap emotional redux. If this had been a week after we thought she had died and said a tearful goodbye, I think that it would would have felt cheap. But because there was that eight-month gap, I don't blame the writers for wanting to do this. And it goes 
by that rule that, you know, this is not Game of Thrones. This is lost. If somebody doesn't die on screen, usually they aren't dead. And so they do dupe us for a second where I thought, oh, they weren't going to go through with it. You can't kill off Juliet. And then they do. But her and Sawyer actually getting that great final scene and that closure was really nice. What were you thinking, Marcelo, as we had to go through that agony again? When I first heard her voice from underneath the rubble, I was like, wait a minute, isn't she supposed to be dead? I completely forgot this specific point from this episode. But like you, I thought that it was a nice way to give them, to give James and Juliet uh, one more moment together. And when Juliet said to James, you know, there's something that I have to tell you, then she just went. I was like, well played. Well played. I mean, to me, it really felt like an episode of Lost where it was just very, very still getting us back into the feeling of being on the island and catching up with our characters because stuff happened. But to me, it felt kind of melancholy. I don't know if I feel like that because I know that the end is here or it's coming. But did you feel any of that? Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because this episode introduces the flash sideways but all the on island stuff doesn't have as much forward momentum in terms of plot and even character as a lot of lost used to it feels like sideways momentum like we're doing something but it's not taking us forward like we are kind of almost stuck in a place but like stuff does happen but it doesn't feel the same as when A would cause B would cause C. This feels like, yeah, this is lower key. Even though they do try and introduce like some wild, really wild stuff, you know, because we're retreading that familiar ground of actually saying goodbye to Juliet again, there's two big on-island scenes that I feel are the ones that have the most impact, but still don't have that driving urgency that Lost usually has. And I would say they are... Specifically, when Hurley sees Jacob, that scene, and when Locke, fake Locke, man in black, is revealed in what it actually is as he kills those those bad guys. So I do agree with you that there, there was something different feeling about a lot of the on-island action of this episode. Those big scenes were the ones that really felt like something but didn't have that same drive. Hurley sees Jacob. He tells him, if you want to save Saeed... You have to take him to the temple, tell Jin he knows it's the hole in the ground where the black smoke came from with the French people. And Hurley's like, why did you send me here, man? Why did you make me come back to the island? Because he recognizes him right away as the guy in the cab who gave him the guitar case. And he says, just do this. Like, don't ask. Ask. I can't tell you anymore. And I love when it is revealed that the reason that Hurley is seeing him is because Jacob is a ghost and this is... He tells him I died an hour ago and I just thought that was brilliant because at first I wasn't even thinking that he was a ghost even though I should have but of course Hurley's the only guy who can see him just seeing Jacob saying like yeah I can't believe this happened but it did so can you please do this for me then finding out that fake Locke is the smoke monster he gets his revenge on a bunch of the new people to the island. He wanted to talk to Richard, but Richard wouldn't come in. And when he does finally have a scene with him, it is established that Richard does know who this is, and he is shocked to find out who this actually is, that they do have a past, 
it's nice to see you out of those chains, Richard, is something that he says to him, implying that maybe Richard was part of the Black Rock slave ship or something. So I did think that those two moments were the ones that had the most momentum, but a lot of this episode feels still. You are right. It's not this it's not the same. What did you think of those big moments? And were there any other big moments that really caught your attention yeah i mean that specific uh moment where jacob appeared to hurley i was like dude he's recruiting you because guys you know i feel i can say it now because we're almost there anyway but hurley is becoming a candidate for a specific job and i particularly like that that scene because when it turns out that jack cannot save saeed Hurley takes charge and he says, listen, Jack, can you help him or can't you? And Jack goes, no, I can't help him. So Hurley says, then we need to take him to the temple. I was really sort of underwhelmed with the people that we found at the temple. Because I was like, okay, you guys are going to introduce these people now? Considering that we are at the beginning of the end, I was like, how much stuff can you do with these people? Or are these people sort of like just people that we're going to deal with for a few episodes? Or are these people going to play a larger key in the end game here? You know, but with that being said, I did love the island has a fountain of youth. You know, and if you stick an individual in there, depending on their destiny or what they mean to the island, they can eventually heal. So I did like that. But I was a little bit concerned about introducing a group. And I was like, guys, it's a little bit too late for this. Can we just condense a little bit more? Or or, or, or am I losing my mind? You're not. And so basically, when they reveal that temple and we see this whole village of people and motherfucking Scorpion from Mortal Kombat comes out. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing here? We got another guy, John Hawks, who's a great character actor, interrogating them. I was like, how has this village of people been on the island the whole time? And like, it was never referenced and the others never worried about this whole huge, like, it looks like a huge, huge area and so many people. I I feel like they overextended themselves in terms of what is on the island and who has been there and when that I did feel similar that I was like, really? Is this where we're going like i don't know that we needed this feels like a lot to be throwing in in the first episode of your final season i did like when you know they are standing there and they open the guitar case and there's this giant it looks like a cross but it's not a cross and they break it open and there's a note inside and obviously it's got everyone's names on it. And that helps them determine that these people are on the level and that Jacob sent them. So these are like Jacob's disciples. And then they take Saeed into this building where they've got like a hot tub that someone took a shit in <laughs> and they drown him. And I'm like, I, all of this stuff that was happening, I just kept thinking like, I loved the flash sideways. I loved the resolution of the Juliet thing and that small moment where Miles tells James that Juliet tells him it worked and he doesn't understand what that means. But then we get into all of this stuff and this is the stuff that I wasn't loving of this premiere where it feels like so much to be throwing in that I'm wondering 
in 18 episodes. Can they justify this? Can they pay it off without really stretching the credibility? Because part of the fun of Lost is the mythology and the mystery. But I love more of that when it comes to the character's mystery and the mythology of these people and how they got into a place. And this feels like doubling down on the more extreme aspects of Lost. I always am mixed when they add so much religious subtext. And when Saeed is drowned because they're using this timer and they pull him out of the dirty springs and he's in like a Jesus Christ pose, like he's been crucified on the cross and his arms are out and they lay him down and Jack wants to save him and they say no. A few hours later, he comes back and it's like an accelerated timeline of like, Jesus dying three days later comes back and I'm like, okay, I like, I don't know that this is what I wanted. That being said, when Hurley tells this group that Jacob is dead and they're like, whoa, record scratch, Jacob is dead. How do you know this? And he's like, well, he, he's told me and they're like, oh shit. And they launched the, the warning fireworks and they're batting down the hatches because they think that he is going to come. That man in black smoke monster is finally set loose. I thought that was awesome. That stuff really had me excited to see what comes next. But a lot of this Jack is beaten down. Everybody is so defeated after these people drown Saeed that I was just getting no joy from these scenes and it just kept feeling like they were adding too much mystery and too much large scale stuff when all I wanted was the quieter character moments. But lighting that rocket and saying, patting down the hatches for war, that stuff I enjoyed. To go off of your note uh, that you wanted the more, more of these small character moments, I particularly liked the moment between Benjamin and the smoke monster in the temple where... The smoke monster says to Ben, do you want to know what John Locke, do you want to know the last thought that went through John Locke's head as you were strangling him to death? And he takes a beat and he says, I don't understand. And the smoke monster says, basically, John Locke was a weakling. He, he, he was weak. He was pitiful. He was disgusting. But you know the thing that placed John apart from everyone else? When he got here, he was the only one that wanted to stay here. And at some point in the conversation, the smoke monster says, you know what I want, Ben? I want to go home. So that to me, that to me was like, okay, I've seen Lost a lot of times, but I've, I've never had to do, you know, a week to week review of every episode as, you know, I went along. So I completely forgot that. Glorious little nugget said by the smoke monster. And I was like, okay, so how, how exactly is that going to work? So I'm interested, I'm interested to see where that goes in uh, the coming weeks here. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. And that was one of the most dynamic scenes where I just love the wording of it, where he's like, you know, Ben, by the way, you did my dirty work, but you shouldn't feel bad about it. And also the thing you should feel bad about, though, is that when you killed Locke, like he was just thinking, I don't understand. And I love that he says, like, yeah, the irony of it all is that Locke just wanted to stay here and all I want to do is go home. And that was like, wow, what what does that mean? Where is home? And so for the on island stuff, that was one of the highlights. My absolute favorite scene of this episode. So the flash sideways is so much fun with 
Kate trying to escape and she runs into Claire. And I, I like all of that and seeing Sun and Jin and everybody off the plane as if the plane had landed. But as they're in the airport, there's an announcement. Jack Shepard, go to guest services or whatever. And he finds out that they lost the body of Christian. They thought they loaded it onto the plane. It's not on the plane. And while he's stressing out over this funeral that's supposed to happen and they have no body, he meets John Locke for the first time. First time in this timeline officially because they lost something of John Locke's, a case full of knives. After five seasons of Matthew Fox and Terry O'Quinn just being fucking furious with each other, every scene they have, they are just oozing with loathing and disdain for one another. To have them get to play a scene where they are just two guys. Jack's obviously in a more stressful situation, but Locke trying to calm him down and be the voice of reason, being a friendly face to Jack in these moments was so refreshing. And I just thought like, what a gift to these actors that they finally got to have a scene where they aren't just pissed off at each other. I love that the way that it ends is that Jack is up to his old tricks because he says, how did you get in that chair? And Locke says, you know, it was a bunch of stuff, but it's irreversible. And Fix-It Jack says, nothing is irreversible. Here is my card. Call me. I'll do a free consult. And that's opening the door for so much more stuff in this weird timeline to unfold. But just seeing two of my favorite actors on the show who never get to have a moment of peace together actually get to just kind of smile at each other and say like i might be able to help you and it was genuinely nice to meet you was the highlight and like i was smiling during that whole scene because i love these guys and to finally have a moment where they can just enjoy each other's company rather than be trying to kill each other was awesome you are so right that to see that dynamic play out differently between jack and Locke was really really rather wonderful but to me The biggest problem that I had with this episode is structure. And I know, I know, I know we're watching Lost and we're at the end. I I needed a little bit more to sort of get a grasp about what was happening here between the Flash Sideways and the regular island stuff. That being said, the editing in this episode, I thought was phenomenal. And the interesting thing that that I picked out about that is if you notice in the credits, this episode was edited by four different people. And that's usually not the case for Lost. So I don't know if when Damon and Carlton were writing this episode, I, I, I don't know what was going through their head. Do, do you think that they, at this point, they were just like, let's just finish? think that they were concerned about how the audience that they had left was going to react to this? They didn't pull a David and Dan from game of thrones where they were just like let's shit this thing out and call it a day i do feel though that you are right that there is something weird structurally it's been so long since i've watched lost so i haven't revisited and when i did re-watch lost back in the day i would watch the seasons again before the new season started but season six is probably the season of lost that i have watched the least i believe i've only seen it once So I haven't seen any of these episodes since 2010. But I do immediately recall that part of the frustration of this flash sideways, I alluded to when we did our season three finale episode, I said that was the change to flash forwards 
that was groundbreaking, that was betting everything on red and it paying off. And they tried it again with this device, and I don't think it works overall, partly because it takes so long for us as an audience to even understand what these flash sideways are. And when we understand it, I don't know that we understand it in a way of thinking like, this is something we had to see. It was essential to the story. Thank God they did this. So structurally, I totally get that as we're watching these episodes, the momentum just isn't there because we still are so unclear on what is actually going on within this framework of how the show is now structured. It's tough to get on board with it. Whereas immediately with a flash forward, we recognize what that is. That is something that we haven't seen that is happening after the island. Flashbacks, we know that that's something that we're seeing that happened before the island. This, I don't even know what these are. Because if what they tried to do worked, then why am I still seeing on-island stuff? So I do understand that frustration that, like, structurally, this is going to be a very messy season. And when you don't have a clear-cut ending, a, a set endpoint that feels inevitable, like a Breaking Bad or something, then I feel like it is a harder trip to get from the start of this season to the very end in a way that will satisfy everyone. They are doubling down on certain aspects that some people might not like. And if that's the case, then buckle up because there's going to be more stuff coming your way that you might not super enjoy. But at least they're trying something different. But I I appreciate the attempt, but I'm not sure it's all working. To be honest with you, I don't know how I feel about the episodes that we're going to see here in the coming weeks. For me, it's going to be more about the journey that I experience with these characters than the overall mystery of what is revealed about the island. With that being said, is there anything in specific that you want out of this final walk on the island? I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I know that the main thing that this final batch does is it is entertaining and it does make sure that when they want to devastate me emotionally by the end of this show, they succeed. But in terms of all of the mythology and questions that they have laid on the table, if all I wanted out of this season is a satisfying answer to feel like someone had written all of the subtext and themes in a book before they started and were able to disclose that this was the plan all along and that every breadcrumb was leading to this, then I feel like in that moment 11 years ago, it was just kind of a task that feels like no one could have pulled it off. And I don't know that they did and we'll, We'll see as we go. It's interesting that there's so much that could happen that I just don't know that you can please everyone. And they have set up so much stuff over five seasons that even if you had 50 episodes, I don't know that you could pay it all off. But I want to, the thing I'm most excited about is seeing if I feel a little bit differently by the time credits wrap on the end. You know, back when this show ended originally, I did love the ending. And then it was only as we got further away from it that I started to pick apart certain aspects. Whereas, you know, there was a loud thud on the internet for a lot of people. But then there was that loud contingent of like, 
you know, it delivered. It was fine. I also have wondered how it has affected Lost Legacy over the years, because now that it's on streaming, I think when you have a more condensed time to watch it, it probably plays better. But also, I just wonder, it's not a show that, like, is having a big resurgence because of streaming. And part of me wonders why that is. What is on the table for you that you are hoping that they they deliver by the time these 18 episodes are over? I just hope that I feel a sense of completion and satisfaction from a character standpoint. I don't particularly care that much anymore about the mystery of the island. What I just want is to feel okay and at peace with the characters that I've been following for six seasons or that we've been following for for six seasons. So I just want to feel a sense of peace and completion from a character standpoint. I don't I don't give a rat's ass about the greater mysteries of the island because I can t- I, I can tell you right now, no spoilers, but the first time I watched this very last episode of Lost, I did I didn't set some things online that that I still regret to this day. So with that Stuff being said, it didn't age well. <laughs> yeah. It did yes, it did not age well at all. So with that being said, all right, guys. So with that being said, that'll do it for this edition of Radio 815. If you guys like anything that we do here and you want to reach out to us and you just want to talk to us, there are a couple ways to do that on Twitter. First, you can reach out to us by just using the hashtag Radio 815 or you can reach out to us on our personal Twitter. It's JJUniverse815. The other thing that I want to mention before uh, we close out today's episode is for those of you who follow us on our Twitter account, you may have noticed that for the past 14 weeks, we've been resharing episodes from our inaugural first season. And I would just like to give a huge thank you to those of you who have been taking time out of your day to actually listen to old, old episodes of our show because that's been helping out the show grow more. And I hope that if you cho- if you chose to listen to those episodes, you would appreciate how much we've grown as podcasters. But with all that out of the way, Matt, if the good folks at home want to reach out and talk to you about anything, what would be the best place for them to do so? The best place to do so is on Twitter at Matt Crandall. If you guys want to talk to me, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But until next week, as always, we'll talk back soon.